Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and today we're talking with pastor and new author Daryl Dash. Daryl is the pastor of Liberty Grace Church in Toronto, Canada. He's also co-founder of Gospel for Life and director of the Advanced Church Planting Institute. And he's author of the brand new Moody Publishers release, How to Grow, Applying the Gospel to All of Your Life. Are you dissatisfied with your spiritual life? Do you feel stuck or stagnant? Are you tired of going through the motions of faith? Do you have a desire to go further up and deeper into the things of God, but don't know how to get there? How to Grow is a book for people who want to grow spiritually and help others grow as well, which I think should be all of us. Uh, We often see the gospel as the starting point of the Christian life rather than the main point of all of life. But the truth is that the gospel is the key to all ongoing growth in our lives. As Galatians 2.14 says, we're called to live our whole lives in step with the truth of the gospel. So in How to Grow, Daryl Dash will walk you through a practical, habit-based approach to spiritual growth. Daryl, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, brother. Jared, it's good to talk to you. Yeah. Now, we're just in our sort of pre-show kind of banter before the recording. I mentioned that we go back a little ways, at least online. I know we've met in person, but um, we were sort of in the early days of blogging, kind of a a tight fraternity, weren't we? You know, I remember those days well. You were one of the guys, and then you you kind of, when you joined the Gospel Coalition, you know, it was good to see that happen. But yeah, I remember those days. There weren't that many of us around back then. Yeah, it was. Chalice. That's right. Yeah, you and I forget who else, but there were, you know, four or five of us that have kept going. Yeah, it's great. Sometimes to kind of look over and go, man, I've I've known that guy for 13 years now, 14 years. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, it's gone on quite a bit. So it's good to see the endurance of those who, in the early days, um, I mean, we were writers, we were pastors, but we, we liked to write, we liked the community of writing. So it's always um, sort of a joy at least for me to to be able to celebrate along with guys who um you know have a have a growing platform that um you know come by it um honestly and and having focused on the grace of God which um I I know you are so I'm thankful for a book on growth spiritual growth that focuses on grace as the power to grow so um first of all why don't you tell us about the unlikely source that gave you inspiration uh, for growth? So a few years ago, my wife, she is or was an accountant. She actually hates accounting and quit, <laughs> but uh, she was an accountant. And she came home one day and she said, I've got a new client. And I, I said, okay, well, who? And it turned out to be this online nutrition company. So I don't know if there's anything that sounds sketchier than an online nutrition company. <laughs> right. And I looked at their website, and at that time it was, you know, everything you could think of that was really, you know, tacky and, and salesy and everything. But as she worked for them, I began to notice she changed, and I, I began to discover these guys, you know, they've got PhDs in nutrition. Although they kind of came across as gimmicky, they were probably the most knowledgeable people on nutrition that – um, I've ever met, and probably the smartest people in that area that I've ever met. And uh, I began to learn as she, I saw her change. I thought, these guys are actually better at taking knowledge and 
translating it into practical steps that people can take that will actually lead to change. And um, I'm, <laughs> we're both pastors. You're not pastoring right now, but uh, you know what it's like, right? Like, I've, I felt convicted that these guys are doing a better job mm. taking great, great, well, in the Christian world, we'd say theology, taking, you know, I, I began to realize I'm not doing such a good job taking the theological riches of the gospel and translating them into practical steps that people can take without being, you know, I know you and I would both be concerned with becoming too pragmatic. They were just able yeah. to take top-notch content and make it accessible to people. And so, yeah, that began to get us thinking, how can we be that practical and yet theologically rich as they were with nutrition? Oh, that's really <laughs> that's really interesting. That is an unlikely source. <laughs> it is, yeah. For, for inspiration. Uh, what? what? <laughs> um, okay, so as we think along the lines of the practicalities uh, of this thing, and and in your book, How to Grow, you cover sort of different stages that would be, um, I, I guess, the path to maturity, right? So what are yeah. those different stages? What are kind of the milestones or markers that we might use um, to help people understand that they're kind of walking this path? And then how would somebody um, discover whatever the current stage that they're in is? So I have a number of stages set out here. And, uh, you know, I know that the danger in describing them is it sounds like it's like an assembly line where you move from one stage to another. It's actually a lot messier (laughs) than that. (laughs) It's not like you ever graduate from like, oh, I'm... You know, I've, I've finished this stage, and I've moved. you do with some of them. But, you know, for instance, pre-questioning, um, a church plant, I'm a church planter right now, and I live in a very secular area where I would say most of the people in my neighborhood, they might not believe in God or, you know, they have these weird ideas of who a higher power might be. And But I think that, you know, I'm loving these people and realizing they're actually on the stage. I want to see these people... Whenever I meet one in the coffee shop, I'm praying, Lord, like, how can, how can this person move to the next stage? Next stage is questioning, and I get pretty excited about this stage because these are people that are beginning to explore the Christian faith, and they might not know much about the Bible or Christianity, but they have questions. So, you know, I think of somebody in my community here who, uh, she got, I think somebody, who was it? Somebody got cancer close to her, mm. and she messaged me and said, I need to meet with you because I've got questions all of a sudden about what the gospel has to say about, you know, life. And so that stage is pretty exciting for me. The next stage would be believers. And I don't know if I, I wrote that term, so I need to say I like it, but um, <laughs> believing kind of assumes that they're um, actually believers, but I think they might not. They might give mental assent to the faith, but or they could be just baby Christians. But at this stage, they're they know the basics of Christianity, and they're reading the. They're beginning to read the Bible. They're beginning to learn. And I think the danger is people who stay at that stage. It's very dangerous because if you stay at that stage, you're really in danger of nominal, you know, belief. Yeah. Um, so I like to see people move pretty quickly to the next stage of growth, and that's where uh, the basic habits begin to, to come into place, um, you know, reading scripture and prayer and getting involved with the church community. But even there, I think you need to move pretty quickly to the next stage, which is 
mentoring and uh, beginning to even, as an early Christian, begin to build into the lives of others and help them move along the path and then finally move to the maturing stage where, and this is where I say it's not like you ever move where you're, you know, now I'm maturing, I'm, I'm no longer growing, but <laughs> maturing people, I know a few of them. I, you and I have some friends, actually, I would put in this category. When you meet with them, you just get the sense they they know Jesus personally, yes. and they're humble. Um, they're not impressed with themselves. There's a sweetness, a humility. Whenever I'm with these people, I realize, man, I want to be like them. There's just a joy, and I'm not saying they're perfect. They're actually really not perfect, but there's just something qualitatively different about them that you know that that there's a uh, the grace of God has just transformed them in a significant way. Yeah, you know. Uh- one thing I think is a mark of maturity, and one thing I've come to appreciate about those that I think are actually further along um, the road, if we can think of it that way, the road of discipleship that way, is that there seems to be less um, of a desire to look polished. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, it's not necessarily that they're, you know, proud to be sinful or anything like that, but I think there's people who they're more in touch with the reality of their imperfection. They're more comfortable in their own skin. And so it's somewhat counterintuitive that way that I tend to think that the more mature someone is, the greater awareness of their own sin that they have. And thus they, they just seem more real. Um, yeah. Which is and they extend grace to others. So I think yeah. the, so the irony is spiritual maturity. You'd actually don't feel spiritually mature. Because you see God's holiness yes. more clearly than ever before. As a result, you see your own sinfulness in a greater way, and but you also get the grace of the cross more. So, you know, I think of a lady, I visited her, she's actually from Tennessee, and um, visited her recently, and when you're with her, she just, she's real about her faults. She is one of the most transparent people that I know. And uh, when you're away from her, you just feel so encouraged because you just feel like this woman knows Jesus and treasures him more than anybody I know. So I really am attracted. Like you can just, hard to put a marker. You can just tell when you're with somebody like that. Yeah. And, yeah, they seem, um, you know, I'm thinking of a few folks in particular. It, it's almost, uh, I like to use the word Jesus-y. They're a Jesus-y yeah. person. Um, yeah. y- you have the impression walking away. Yes, you're impressed with them. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't stand out to you. But really, it's almost as if, as you mentioned, like they know Jesus. And so there's even almost a contact for me in spending time with some of those people of having come in proximity to Jesus himself because of uh, these people's character and and um, posture and humility and that sort of thing. Um, and, Jared, the thing I notice, at the thinking of, a, of pastors, is I notice, you know, I think of one guy that both of us really appreciate. I've heard him preach a lot, and even his sermons that might not be technically great. I mean, he's a great preacher, but, you know, nobody preaches great all the time. Yeah. Even those sermons, you walk away and you think, I think I've just met with Jesus. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> there's something really different about uh, even the preaching of, of somebody who reaches that stage. It's pretty That's exciting. Right. That's why I, I aspire to get there myself. Yes, I, I think you're right. Um, why does growth tend to be an area of frustration and tension? I think, um, you know, Christians were, were obviously um, concerned with spiritual growth and the desire to grow. 
But a lot of times we have wrong-headed ways of thinking about it, or we just have a, a I don't know, a complicated relationship, right? It's complicated when it comes to our own thinking about about our growth, the growth of others. So why is it so hard to get a handle on this? Where does that frustration and tension come from? I think there's so uh, there's a few things. One is uh, I think we have just mistaken ideas about what growth is. So I remember growing up, I, I used to think, oh, you know, the holiest people are actually the, you know, you can picture the serious guy who has no clue about life and doesn't treat his wife well, but, you know, he, he's viewed as being a pillar of the church. And right. so I think that's one thing. It's like, oh, I don't want that. And um, so I think one is, you know, we have no idea what we're frustrated because we don't, we want to grow, but we don't want to grow into that. And we don't know what the alternative is. Uh, I think another one is we don't have a plan. So uh, I remember meeting with a pastor. Uh, he had planted a church. It had grown. He was, quote, successful. And he was about to retire. And I said, what are you going to do now that you're retiring? And he said, I think I'm going to begin to figure out what discipleship is all about. <laughs> and I, it really struck me. It's like a, a car mechanic saying, I think I'm going to figure out like how an engine works <laughs> right. at the end of his career. Yeah, We don't have a plan. And when I planted it, began to plant a church, I began to realize, like, I think I have a plan for Sunday mornings. I have a plan for, but I don't have a plan to how to move people who are, you know, at this stage of their growth to spiritual maturity. So, you know, that can be frustrating. We want to grow, but we don't exactly know what to do. Um, I think another reason is we we get discouraged. So, you know, your book uh, on the imperfect disciple. I think just the reality of like we are. We don't have it all together. We get our, we get discouraged. I think we look at ourselves more than we look at Jesus. We beat ourselves up when we fail, and, and we forget that God has grace for us over and over and over again. He's, I think T.J. Tim said recently, you know, he's a better Savior than we are sinners. So, yeah. you know, the more we look at ourselves, I think we just get frustrated. And I think one more reason is um, we try to do it alone. So we have this idea of, like, I need to grow, I need to figure it out myself, and we we lack the community, and yeah, so I, I, I just think we need to, a more realistic picture of growth, and then we need to tap into the grace of Jesus where we're looking at him more than ourselves so that we have the power to grow. Yeah, you know, I think when people express concepts of discipleship that seem really neat and programmatic and this perfectly upward trajectory, I tend to think those are people who actually don't make disciples <laughs> very often. That's right. Or they're not engaged <laughs> in discipleship because, you know, the thing that sort of, um, you know, took the the rose-colored glasses off for me was actually doing discipleship, you know, trying to help people follow Jesus. And you realize, as you said, um, that it, it's messier than you, than you think. People, you know, we like you know, ruts. Um, we tend to struggle with the same kinds of sins um, over time. Um, you know, our our areas of progress often, you know, look like, um, you know, they've got ups and downs and switchbacks and what have you. It's not always as perfectly upward. You know, today I'm better than I was yesterday, and then tomorrow I'll be better than I was today, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's periods of that, and then there's periods of of suffering and lowness and discouragement. So when people talk about discipleship as if it is this sort of, uh, you know, perfectly executed growth chart, um, 
sometimes I think that's someone who's actually never done it. <laughs> yeah. Or at least They've with, you know, with paper, people. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and pastoral ministry will do that for you as well, won't it? I mean, it will. When you're actually trying well, to separate marriage, people. You know, a lot, I have a good marriage. I think I have a good marriage. We've been married 28 <laughs> years and we've grown a lot. And then once in a while you think, I think I got this marriage thing down. And then, you know, last uh, Sunday <laughs> we were late for church and we had a rough day together. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh, it's so humbling because you think you have it figured out. But yeah. we're not like that. Life is messy. and But there's new grace for the, the new day as well. Yeah. You know, it was encouraging in an odd way. Once upon a time, I heard John Piper say, and I don't remember even the context. It, I, I, it, I think it was at a conference, but it might have been somewhere else, um, like on a panel or something. <laughs> so this is John Piper, and he says, I thought I would be more sanctified by now. <laughs> And I thought, if this guy can say that, um, it it oddly gives me a lot of encouragement and uh, absolutely, yeah. All right, let's take a coffee break and hear from our hosts at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's eighty-one hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. Okay, we're back. We're speaking with my friend Daryl Dash, author of the brand new book from Moody Publishers, How to Grow. Um, let's keep on with the same train of thought here, uh, Daryl. What are some dangers in measuring ourselves? What are some ways that we can sort of get this desire for growth wrong or be sort of wrongheaded about it? You know, I really love the Robert Murray McShane quote for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Jesus. So uh, it's definitely important to have some knowledge of where we are. And I think that's where community comes in again, to help have people look at us and give us honest feedback. But I think there's a danger about becoming too introspective. And uh, so I I know a few people who uh, tend to be that way. And and part of how I've seen them grow is, is... they just don't look at themselves as much as they used to. Mm. And uh, so I think part of spiritual growth is looking at Jesus more and looking at ourselves less, getting honest feedback within community, but not really being self-focused, almost forgetting about yourself as Jesus becomes bigger in your life. In the book, you talk about core, what you refer to as core gospel habits, and you alluded to a couple of those earlier. But I wonder if you could expand um, your thoughts there uh, First of all, what are the core gospel habits? How do they help us grow? Um, and then, if you can remember it, a third part to the question, uh, how do we keep those things from becoming kind of a legalistic duty but actually sort of driven by the grace that actually empowers our growth? So looking around, I, be, I began to um, – I looked at research, but also began to look at the people that I really respect who have grown a lot and uh, – tried to look at what are the things that they consistently do. You know, we know that there's a whole list of spiritual disciplines that we all want to pursue, but 
what are the two or three things that really make a huge difference with people who are, are growing, people that have a close walk with the Lord? And looking at all that, came up with three, I think, that are pretty consistent. And not to say that other ones aren't important, but these are the three, I think, that really make the biggest difference. So first would be reading uh, or listening to the Bible. And the listening part was, you know, th- my wife helped me with that. I, I, I think my first draft said, read the Bible. And uh, then she was like, what about the people who have a hard time reading? And I've begun to realize there's actually a lot of people who listen to the Bible. And it's, it, I think just exposure in the Word of God, uh, that rises. Everyone I know who is grown, and I think you can back that up biblically, are biblical people who are being shaped by God's Word. So um, as you know, Jared, that's... You can't take that for granted. You know, yeah. the studies show that the majority of our uh, people in churches aren't reading the Bible or listening to the Bible throughout the week. So that's number one. And second, prayer. And uh, I think Lloyd-Jones said that nothing in the Christian life is harder than prayer. So I get it. Prayer is difficult. I don't know anybody who feels like they've got prayer figured out. But just the whole idea of, you know, managing, as Paul Miller says, managing your life through prayer is... As you say, spilling your guts to God, just the whole idea of a constant, ongoing communication and dependence upon the Lord. So, you know, I, I pray. I pray in a structured way, but then I pray spontaneously throughout the day. And so number one would be listening, reading or listening to the Bible. Secondly, prayer. And then third, pursuing worship and fellowship within a church community. And um, so LifeWay did a study, and they found that the, the people who really grew, they were doing these things. They were reading, listening to the Bible. They were praying. But then they got involved in a church community, and they did two things. They attended and engaged in public worship. But then they also went deeper. They got involved with church community, with a small group or a Sunday school class or uh, some form of community within the church where they were getting to know other people and being known by them. So mm. when you boil it down, those three things really... Uh, are the things that I think are consistent among people who are growing. Now, <laughs> I think the second part of your question was, how do we do that in a non-legalistic way? Yeah. And um, so Carson said uh, in an article in Themelios one time, he said, you know, I think we can overemphasize the spiritual disciplines. And that's kind of shocking, but he says, the point isn't doing the disciplines. The point is actually who we're pursuing through the disciplines. So I think in all of that, the goal isn't simply to read or listen to the Bible. That's a means to getting to know the Lord through the means that he's appointed to get to know him. So the the goal is not just to check off the box that we've prayed, but the goal is actually to commune with God. And uh, all of these things, you know, I go to the gym. Sometimes I'll look at Charlene, and she's sweating, and I'm doing the same exercises, and I'm not. And I'm like, oh, she's a wuss. (laughs) And it turns out, actually, she's doing it right. She's actually engaging the core. I'm just going through the motions. I'm not getting the benefit from it. So the key with all of these is not just to do them, but to really engage the core and to pursue God from the heart through them. That's really good. You mentioned um, community, interaction and community as uh, a key core gospel habit. Why is it important? I mean, what... For people who tend to think about church in individualistic ways, which is is somewhat of a modern phenomenon, um, that we would go to the community um, for 
you know, out of some individualistic or consumeristic, I guess you could say, desire. But why is the participation um, important for for growth? Why can't we just, in other words, read, pray, maybe watch some preaching online or listen to a podcast? Why do we have to actually go engage to grow? You know, the the beauty of the getting to know the Greek a little, I'm not a Greek scholar, but the beauty of, of getting to know a little bit of Greek is to realize how many of the commands of scripture are not to individuals, but actually to the church. So, um, yeah, I, I really think we need, I'm not from the South, but I've, I've actually grown to love the y'all uh, kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. Like y'all need to do this, not like you individually need to do this. Um, we were meant to pursue community. The whole context of the New Testament is, you know, this is what you are called to do as a community. So I was preaching on the um, armor of God one time, and I think I began to approach it kind of individualistically. And uh, a friend of mine came up and he said, you do realize no soldier goes into battle alone. Like the, the armor of God is meant to be, you know, you take it on and then you stand shoulder to shoulder with your fellow soldiers. And I think a whole New Testament is in that context. Another one is... You know, we need to practice the one other commands of Scripture, um, all the commands, you know, to love each other and bear with each other and forgive each other. They all assume we're in community. Um, Ray Ortland, I love his quote that nobody, you've never met anybody who's too encouraged. Right. You know, we need others to encourage us. We need to be in community to love each other and to bear each other's burdens and, and to confess our sins. And, you know, uh, it's tough, like... <laughs> Church can be the worst experience when it's not running well, but when you experience what it's meant to be, it can be beautiful. So, you know, being known by people and loved by people, encouraged by people, that is what I'm looking for. And when you experience it, there's no comparison. I think the other thing, just again, the the great commandment, loving God and loving others, um, just the centrality of you can't follow the law alone. You've got to do it within community. So, you know, again, this is something... You said earlier a lot of people write about this, um, but it's all neat and everything. Community isn't neat. It's frustrating. Uh, But when you begin to experience imperfectly with real messy people, but people who are aiming for transformation, there is nothing like it. So it's it's not neat. It's actually kind of maddening. (laughs) (laughs) And it it roots out selfishness. It's a little bit like marriage, right? I don't know anybody who's got an easy marriage. It's always challenging. You experience the highs, the lows, the joys, but there is nothing like it when you actually experience it. So it's it's transformative. Yeah, I mean, to think even about the way um, in, encouragement, yes, and the spurring each other on to good works and that sort of thing, the the way that, for lack of a better word, we would be measured, right? So if if I'm reading my Bible and praying and not engaged in, in Christian community, just trying to do the Christian life thing kind of disconnected, or I just have sort of a superficial uh, engagement at the church or, or what have you, then I can kind of lie to myself or, um, you know, even if it's not intentional, I can be deceived about my area of growth uh, or the fruit of the spirit, you know, um, flourishing in me. Um, how am I doing with gentleness and patience and that sort of thing? But if I'm engaged with a community of people who are all chasing the same thing, the glory of Christ, there are those who who love me who are not doing it in a legalistic or mean way. I mean, there are those people too, but there are people who love me and want the best for me who are able to um, 
you know, let me know where I'm, where I'm lacking or where I can grow. There are people who see me better than I see myself um, or who are able to see things in me that I'm either intentionally or unintentionally blind to. Um, I think that, you know, ties into even what you're saying about marriage is, um, you know, the reflection of us in another person um, is oftentimes more clear than, than ourselves, you, you, you know, what we see ourselves. So I think... And the opposite is true, yeah. too. I think they can see areas where we're growing that we might not Oh, be that's aware really of. true. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's... But That's really important. You were speaking about Barry. The other, week, other day I was praying and uh, praying, I think that I'm uh, kind of referring to myself, thinking that I was this way, and my wife just starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so I began, okay, that's good feedback. I don't think that, I think I need to pray differently about that area because I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's exactly right. Well, um, I'm really glad that you wrote this book, How to Grow. I think it's an area, um, particularly as it relates to, even some of the more recent debates on sanctification and um, sometimes those can be internal kind of, um, you know, fraternal squabbles within certain theological camps and that sort of thing. How do we, you know, theological views of sanctification, but, you know, as a, as a pastor and as someone who um, is engaged in, in real life on life discipleship, you've approached this subject in a really accessible, practical, um, implementable way, which I really appreciate. So it, it it's not disconnected from the concern of gospel-driven sanctification, and yet it's a book that um, church leaders can easily hand out and kind of work through with people, especially those who are interested in training, um, you know, disciple makers and, and doing discipleship. So I'm grateful for the book. Daryl, um, it's your birthday today, is it not? Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> so it's uh, n- not the day you people who are listening are are hearing this, uh, but we're recording it on July twenty sixth. And uh, man, that you would come on the podcast on your birthday. <laughs> Oh, there's, uh, it's a joy. You're, I want to tell you, by the way, I really appreciate your uh, your work with the book. You wrote the foreword, yeah. and I appreciate you. When your book came out, The Imperfect Disciple, I was already working on this book, and I thought, it's over. You've already <laughs> written the book. <laughs> I really appreciate your ministry. You're you're a blessing to me, and I appreciate it. Well, thank you. That's that's very kind of you. And, and yes, yeah, so uh, if you're listening, I do recommend the book. This isn't just um, some guy coming on to plug to plug his book. I mean, it is that, let's be honest. Um, but I was glad to have Daryl on. Um, this is a book that I've read. I was happy to write the foreword to it. I, I think it'd be really helpful in in helping, um, especially the average person in your church and, and even for you, pastor and church leader, uh, to think through how it is that people grow and how you can articulate that in really, um, you know, sticky ways and in, in, in tangible ways. We've been speaking to Daryl Dash pastor of Liberty Grace Church in Toronto, Canada, and author of the brand new book from Moody Publishers, How to Grow, Applying the Gospel to All of Life. You can find more out about the book, How to Grow at Amazon, Lifeway, wherever Christian books are sold. And you can find Daryl online at dashhouse.com, D-A-S-H-house.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends, review us on iTunes, every little bit helps. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast. 
hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.